Hi, my name is Aviva, and I will be having a conversation with Macy Rodman for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans identifying people. It's May 29th, 2020, and this is being recorded on Zoom from the safety of our bedrooms, or I don't know if you're in your bedroom. <laughs> yes, I am. Okay, cute. And can you describe your surround since I can see you and no one else can? What's um, how you've staged <laughs> yourself? So my room has been really, my room is really noisy. We're on the first floor. So um, I like have made this kind of makeshift record, like, like sound booth thing with moving blankets and a shower rod. <laughs> so it's me in like a two by four foot rectangle surrounded by moving blankets. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, <laughs> and have you um, staged prior to the quarantine things in your bedroom? Like, do you, are you comfortable working from your personal space or how have you, yeah, used your surroundings in, in the past creatively? Well, I mean, I do record a lot from home. I, I do a lot of my like process from home. I have never really um, uh, ventured out into like um, live performance at home is a new thing. I guess it's like the, all the stuff that like leads up to the like work coming out happens at home. So it's, it is weird to like then have to like have it play out here too. Um, but I, uh, it's been okay, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I, I definitely miss, like, I miss, like, being around people, but. Yeah. And do you live with anyone, or how, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky. I, um, me and my roommate get along really well. They're another trans person. Um, they just finished law school. They're, um, going to be a public defender, um, or they're working for, um, a housing project. So, um, uh, it's just been like really nice to live with someone who like gets the stress of being a trans person. Um, we are able to give each other space. We're like really communicative. Um, I've, I've been really lucky in that way. That's amazing. So I wanted yeah. to um, start with beginning stuff, and I wanted to ask you about where you were brought up, where you were born, if you wanted to talk a little about your family life. Sure. Um, I was born in Juneau, Alaska um, in 1989. <laughs> um, and I grew up there my whole life. Um, I, I moved to New York when I was... 19, 18, 19. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Alaska. Um, it was, it's super weird. I like, I just went back for the first time last summer with a friend and like most of my family has moved away, but I had totally forgot. I hadn't been there in like 10 years. Um, and I had totally forgotten how weird of a place it is. It's just like totally isolated. Um, it's a little like, um, New Hampshire or like, um, 
Vermont in the way in the way that the like people kind of are. It's like there's like there's like a, a hippie um, contingent, and there's like a like a libertarian kind of vibe coexisting. Um, and uh, it's just a it's just a really really weird place. Um, How did your family fit in that matrix? And, um, my dad was a construction worker. My mom was a babysitter. Um, and then later worked for the state. My dad, um, was kind of, I guess, more on the libertarian side, kind of, uh, wingnut, white trash, like, I don't know. Uh, they were, um, like that, that kind of like fake, Christian thing that happens in like um, I guess like a lot of households where it's like they um, Christianity is like the default so that's like where they landed but like didn't actually like care about religion um, but ended up like putting us in Christian school and like subjecting like subjecting us to a lot of church and stuff but they didn't actually like give much of a shit about it Mm. um yeah i um yeah i don't know i mean yeah my my family's politics were definitely like um more on the like weirdo libertarian side i guess and how did that affect you growing up having to go to religious school or going to church um christian school was really weird because we first of all it's like not a thing it's like, it's when I say Christian school, it's not Catholic school. It was like literally this church that was like, a, that was like, they had like a TV show on like local TV. Um, and then they like had a couple of like trailers set up where they would like teach classes and then like one building. And I, I swear none of the teachers were like accredited. It was like, just like <laughs> their friends that they got to like teach classes and like the science class was all about Jesus. Like um, they're, they're like, um, like math class ended up being taught by like the gym teacher or like whoever was available. Like it was a weird, weird, weird place. And it was all under the guise of it being like better than the, the public school system, like the education being better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it like I went to public school for the first time in high school and um, I just like, like totally rebelled against all of that um, and like just started doing a bunch of drugs and stuff. I don't know. Mm. It just made me totally like a religious and like not like just like you know, this is all bullshit kind of thing. <laughs> um, and who, oh, I'm going to really, do you, can you hear that? We'll hear what? Oh, you can't hear anything. Okay. Sorry. Uh, My, um, phone is ringing. okay. Um, I'll just go on. And who, what kind of friends did you have while you were in those different 
schools? <laughs> like, who, who are you relating to? So in the Christian school, the, like, I went there from uh, kindergarten through eighth grade. And I, I was, like, very femmy. I would always, like, get... Um, I would always get like made fun of by like the like the like sport boys or whatever. Um, but then in like sixth or seventh grade, there were two kids that came from uh, another school because they had been kicked out of so many schools, and they liked Marilyn Manson and like Nine Inch Nails and stuff. <laughs> and and um, so those were like my kind of like first like friends and that kind of led me into high school to like um who I could relate to there um and I ended up hanging out with like just like um people that were into like uh emo music rock music hardcore music and like um and and drugs like the people I hung out with, we would like break into houses and like steal like prescription drugs and like um, just like uh, you know go go wild because it was like so isolated and there was nothing else to do. Yeah, and what yeah. Was the, when was the first time that you heard the word or the term trans? Heard the term trans? I was in. Well, I don't even know if it was like expressed that way directly but i was in probably um okay the, there's two that i think of immediately so when i was little there was this lady who worked at the a couple of grocery stores around town and um i don't even know what term my mom used it was probably like not great um but inferring that this woman was trans um and so and i like loved her because she was like beautiful and always really nice to me and like um really funny and like talkative and so like that was like i was like loved her and like loved going to the store to see her and then later in high school um i had this like older gay friend um who uh, worked at, I worked at a law office as a clerk and he worked at the sex store down the street. So in between classes or like between school and work, I would go hang out at the sex shop and um, he showed me Amanda Lepore. And um, so I was like, amazed at like this vision of like femininity new york city like mm. uh glam like you know surgery like uh, it was just but it also it seemed very like like i will never like get to that like i love her but i will it's so like far from where i'm at right now you know so Wow, I love that visual of you being a clerk, like going to the sex shop. <laughs> That's so cute. Wild. 
um, were there other gay role models that you had at the time or can remember being like, whoa, what is going on over there? Like, it, like in my surroundings or like people that I saw like in media or whatever? Yeah, in any way that you were like absorbing and, and like maybe could reflect on later that that's what that was and how that, you know, might, might have affected the way that you could see yourself. Well, I mean, it was all, um, I don't know. I had like a really um, weird relationship. I mean, we all do like when, when we were like coming or we all, you know, at that time it was like weird to like, uh, it was a weird time for, um, I guess like gay representation in media or queer representation in media or something. But um, I remember watching Queer as Folk. Um, I I don't know. I I guess yeah. It was like it was like this like older uh, gay person, and I'm saying older, like probably like thirty, and I was sixteen. Um, uh, showing me like who Kylie Minogue was and like who like Khalees was and like um little Kim like that that kind of stuff I I feel like was like my education into like you know like what gay people liked you know <laughs> and uh you're you you also make music and so how, how did you enter that space or like how yeah, what, how did that, like, move through your life? Um, so my sister is a, like, musical prodigy. Like, she started playing the drums when she was, like, six and then learned how to play, like, every instrument. And, like, so when I was growing up, I was it was very, like, music is her thing. Like, music is Ariel's thing. And um, so I just, like... I, I always loved music and I always like wrote music in my room, but I was like, I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm like, a, I'm a visual artist, designer, you know, that, that will be my like ticket out. And um, it was, I went to, I like uh, applied to and went to design school and that's how I like got to New York. Um, but um, me and my sister would always like, like I would sing while she played whatever instrument she was practicing. Um, and so that was my like kind of intro into it, even though I always like kind of felt like I, like I, it would never be like what I would do or something. And then when I got to New York and started going to design school and started like kind of getting more of a um, fuller picture of like what the um, fashion industry is and like what that would entail with like working for companies and stuff I like didn't really love it and so I um was basically just like partying a bunch and uh didn't want to like figure out what to do and in that time I like met people who I um who uh wanted to make music with me and like made it like um 
we just like were super collaborative, just like messing around. And I was like, oh, actually, this is like something that I could um, at least do for fun. It's like really fun. So um, that's how I got started into like learning how to write music on uh, in software and like learning and like getting interested in like recording myself and stuff like that. Mm. And how would you describe like the social scene you're in now? Or the like, social... or not just social, but like the, the scene in which you like play music and perform in just like the mm-hmm. landscape of what that looks like. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it's Brooklyn based, I would say. Um, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's kind of all over the place. It's like sometimes, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, because I'm like make music, but also do like, um, uh, like podcast, like comedy adjacent stuff and like make video work and stuff like that. I like often play in like a couple different kinds of contexts. So um, sometimes it's more like, art worldy sometimes it's more like uh, a punk venue kind of vibes sometimes it's like gay clubs um it's it just i mean it's all over the place and i and that like kind of reflects like my friend group too mm-hmm. can you can you talk about your podcast or like introduce us to what's going on there Sure. Um, so me and my friend uh, Theta Hamill started this podcast. Um, we were we were gonna start making music together, but it never materialized, and we were just like laughing too much. So we were like, we want to collaborate on something. Let's do. Let's try to do a podcast, and um, it started as like just conversational. Um, it's called Nympho Wars. Um, and um, that uh, the the name was supposed to be like us talking about like sex or like what it's like to like date as a trans woman or something like that. But it like quickly just morphed into like absurd comedy and like us doing characters and like fully developed like radio plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, incorporating music as well. Like we write, we write music for it and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just all, it like kind of happened out of uh, nowhere. And um, we've played some live shows. We've like- um, Have there been like really, me- oh, sorry. Have there been no, really- memorable episodes or like i don't know people you've talked to like something that stands out to you so the like the the episodes that stand out the most or that i get talked to about the most are um there's one called kill drag race which is a radio play about my co-host theta um oh okay so it starts with me in bed um I have been totally brainwashed by watching Drag Race and I can't stop speaking in like Drag Race catchphrases. 
And um, Theta comes in and she uh, she's like, I have to save you. I have to get on Drag Race. And Caitlyn Jenner is a recurring character in our show. <laughs> and so um, Caitlyn is like kind of guiding Theta to like get to Drag Race. And she's like, you have to like kill the, you have to take down the show. And it's like all, it, because Drag Race famously excludes trans women. Um, it's like all challenges that are like, <laughs> test your like masculinity and your like manliness. <laughs> um, it's like totally absurd, totally like wacko. Everyone is like named after, all the drag queens are like named after food. Um, <laughs> and then the other one is uh, Murder on the Stupid Bitch Express. And that is uh, a play on the Agatha Christa novel. Um, and um, it's uh, Theta is trying to solve the murder of Jeffree Star on uh, the Pacific Starlight Express. And uh, she runs into like a bunch of YouTubers and like D list celebrities. And it's, uh, it's very wacky. <laughs> And when you reference these different shows, do you like hate watch them or do you actually like, like how do you deal with the problematic aspects of parts of these, you know, like gay cultural emblems that then also are like deeply transphobic? I think, I feel like that's a leading question, but I'm just like, I'm curious about how that like, oh, sits yeah. with you. And you're like, like, are you asking about how I uh, interact with like drag race or something? Yeah, I guess drag, okay. drag race. And then maybe even um, existing in the, or like, working within the drag world at large and some of the ways that you encounter, you know, certain, um, just like how, how you live within that and how that, how, how that's been for you. Sure. 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 Um, so, uh, with the, the show with Nympho Wars, um, the way that we deal with it is, um, like it's more, um, it's not uh, so much having like a take on it. It's like kind of trying to like, <laughs> like push it to the farthest like uh, extent and like live within it and like investigate it that way. Um, but like for myself personally, like ingesting that, that kind of um, cultural content. Um, I don't know. I mean, I definitely watch it. I watch that show. I like consume all of this. Um, and I, you know, hate, hate watch or whatever. Um, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like, it's hard to, um, it's hard to uh, like say, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to watch like drag on TV because I, I still really like drag. Like I, I don't identify as a drag queen. I have, I like have done drag in the past, but um, it's like, it's like there's this opportunity to watch like talented drag queens on TV. Um, but then, but then like there's this like fracking transphobic like host. Uh, so it's like it is it is like this like weird toss up. I don't know. Yeah, it's complicated. 
totally. Yeah. Because it's just like, th there's a limited amount of content, obviously, to like access stuff in a, in, on TV. Totally. Or, and with um, that kind of like production value, you know, it's like. Definitely. I know a lot of people who just like, who can't watch it. And I completely understand that. Like that's, that uh, I wish, I wish that were me. <laughs> Do you feel like um, some of the social and like um, creative spaces that you in are in now, okay, sorry, I'm gonna reframe this. Like how do you feel like the social and creative spaces that you contribute to are related to other parts of um, social movements in history or political movements in history in New York? Like how do you feel connected to, you know, a deeper history of, of, of culture? Um, so I guess it's like a lot of, um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the people that I perform with or like the, the venues that I have been like affiliated with in the past, like, um, uh, have just been like, focus more on like, um, I don't really know what I'm trying to say here. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, I'm just like, are there are there ways that you've um, been like, wow, or in the magnetism of coming to New York, you know, like mm -hmm. the, like that, like the fantasy of New York and like the dream of New York. Like, what ways have uh -huh. you connected to the reality of um, what's there? And oh, sure, sure. What sure. things have been like? Oh, that was kind of a mirage and part of like some sort of promise that this would contain it all, or I don't know, just like the aspects of. Um, you actually entering and like actualizing into your creative self yeah um i guess it I, I guess it's been like um it's been um like the idea of like coming here and like i moved here and i was like i'm never gonna not live in manhattan i'm like you know i love like uh at, like expensive shit or whatever <laughs> like I love like being around like these like rich people these like glam people or whatever and I mean this is so generalized but that that is kind of like what I was like like loved when I was here was like wealth of New York City or like um luxury of New York City or like excited to go to like Barney's or something and um now living here for 11 years um uh, what I have gravitated towards and like mostly through meeting people through like partying and nightlife and stuff um, has been like people who are interested in like community organizing and stuff um, and um, I don't know because that that just seems like more sustainable if you like um if you can if you like have a community that you can invest in and like and like stick around with i don't know totally and what type of organizing or like what type of people have you been gravitated towards I, you don't have to name them or you can name them or just you know just like people that have no yeah i mean i i think about like um like disc woman and like decolonize this space i mean i'm not affiliated with either of those but i mean they're like around and like everyone in my general uh group like supports 
those kind of organizations or like Boiling Point NYC, um, artists like Deli Girls and um, uh, Zosa and like all these people um, who are like interested in making really great art, but also interested in like putting back into um, like, uh, the best interest of, like, everybody, um, mm. and, um, I don't know, it's, like, every, like, all the, all the, like, artists that I admire and love to work with, um, are, like, you know, it's, like, it's nice to see that, that like, everybody can, like, come together and like put on a show for like raising money for Bernie Sanders or something like that. Like that's never, that's something that I never thought that I would be like interested in or, or, um, have like a, or have like a big group of people who are like interested in like raising money for like a presidential candidate or like, Mm -hmm. um, sending money to like, um, to individuals who have been like, incarcerated or like uh you know stuff like that um uh that has been really cool to see totally and how do you feel like that's shifted or has maintained itself in quarantine do you feel like you're still a part of aspects of that or connected to parts of that now yeah i do um because so much of it is um is like put together via social media anyway um and like it's still the same kind of formula where it's like the artist like artists bringing awareness via their like art and like coming together and then like uh people using their resources to like just to like uh help whatever you know Mm -hmm. um that kind of hasn't changed and like the venue like if anything it like reminds us that like the venue doesn't have to be like a huge part of the equation like it can be anywhere you know have other parts of or nowhere (laughs) have other parts of quarantine clarified like spaces you want to or have connected to that nourish you or I don't know has has this time actively made you refrain ways that you want to re-enter social spaces or public spaces that you you know like hang out in or um, perform in um I don't know I mean it's it is like it's such a weird time um to like think about like i've been trying to think about like what is realistically going to reopen and like what's not going to reopen and that's really scary um but i also know that like stuff gets closed all the time like um one of my favorite places to see shows was palisades and that that got closed a long time ago and then it was um like heck and that got shut down and then it's just like every like these places like move around so it's like i have no doubt that when this all opens up again there will be some place that we'll meet um 
And um, I mean, it would be great if there was a place that um, could like have more of a hold and like that people could like know that they could go to and know that they could like be um, safer there or something like that. But I mean, that hasn't super been the reality for a little while. Like it has been like shifting around all the time, you know, or like, or spaces like revealed themselves to like not have the best interest of like the people that work there or the people that come there, you know? So it's like, we're always having to like reevaluate our, um, relationship to these spaces and I think that's okay you know mm. um, I don't think that like we should have to like settle I mean there's always going to be some kind of like compromise there's no safe space there's no um, all-inclusive space there's always going to be something that we have to like reckon with but I don't think that like that like I don't think that like we should have to like sacrifice something if it's important, you know? Definitely. Um, I'm just like looking at some of our questions. I was just, uh, one of them is what are some of the bigger challenges that you face being trans in New York? And I guess I can speak to, I mean, now that we're in this like weird quarantine space, but also just like more broadly, you know, just like being, having lived in New York for the last 10 years or 11 years. Um, what are the biggest challenges of being trans in New York? I mean, I, I think a lot, like, New York is definitely, like, one of the, like, easier places to be trans. Um, and that's why I live here. Like, just um, as far as, like, medical... Um, medical uh, availability or whatever like um access um and also just like the amount of people that either understand what it means to be trans or don't give a shit about you being trans or not actively like against you being trans like there's more of those people here um and I don't know. I mean, a lot of the struggles with being trans are like, are internal and like, a lot of it has to do with like anxiety and fear. I mean, it's like based on real fears. It's based on like fear of like, you know, violence and um, rejection from society and like not being able to get jobs and stuff like that but um the effect of that is like is anxiety and depression and stuff um mm. so i don't know i mean i i have gone through like a lot of cycles where where like certain things are more difficult than other things and it's all kind of like it's always present, but like it, it, it just like it goes through cycles. I don't know. Yeah. And how? And you don't need to talk about this, but like, how does how did it feel to go back to Juno, or how does it feel 
to visit or be a part of other aspects of your life? Like, does it, yeah, just. It's wild. I went back to Juno, and I don't know if it's just because they're, like, not exposed to trans people a lot or something, but, like, and I, I mean, I, I feel like, because here I'm, like, under, constantly under the, um, under the impression that like everyone knows i'm trans i'm like visibly trans i'm six foot four i like have a deep voice like blah 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 like uh i've never like um had the like i've never like thought that i am like quote unquote passing here but like in juno and like in other like small towns that i've been to there is this like weird thing where like people either like don't know that I'm trans or like act like they don't know that I'm trans or something. Um, so I, I don't know what that's really about. Um, hmm. But like that, but then like talking to like trans people in those towns, it's definitely like the access to like, medical care is not there and like there's like not as much like community in those places definitely and what kind of uh experience have you had with healthcare? is it uh in, in new york city it's been incredible yeah uh, I, if you like, could, it's helpful sometimes to name some of the things that have supported you so that people know these Callen resources Lord, yeah yeah Callen lord since the beginning um, since the beginning of my medical transition, I went to Callum Lord, really scared, thinking that I was like reading up on um, trans, uh, like how like how to start <laughs> being trans or whatever, you know, <laughs> like like reading up on like how one would start transition. I was really scared of hormones and you know um, didn't know if that was the right thing for me. And I went to Callum Lord and they like, I was like reading like stuff from the nineties that was like, you're going to have to dress up in your preferred gender, like for three months before you. What you kind know, of sites were you on? <laughs> I was on like these, like it's like stuff from the nineties, whatever, like yeah. trans America type shit. <laughs> um, and, um, but I went there and uh, it it was so affirming to like uh from the moment i got there uh have the person be like no use the name that you prefer on all your paperwork do this all the time like um like if you want like if you want to start hormones you can start today do you want to start today yeah gave me a shot i walked out the door you know and like not only that but like they have the resources to like, I didn't have Medicaid when I went there. They like have someone that like walked me through getting Medicaid, 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 Medicaid. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, they have been the resource that I've used to get all of my surgeries that I've gotten um, connected me with NYU Langone and um and like all my surgeons and like basically like held my hand, walked me through every single step of the way 
And it does get a little frustrating there because there's a high volume of patients. And I know that sometimes people can't get in there because there's such a high volume of patients, but they are expanding. Um, and I, yeah, I can't say enough good stuff about that. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering what kinds of employment you've had to, to make ends meet while living in New York. Um, it has mostly been bars and restaurants. Um, and when I like couldn't keep those jobs, um, then like the grace of friends letting me sleep in their house rent free and like doing little gigs to make money for, you know, food and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just like pulling the rabbit out of the hat, I guess. Totally. Like, <laughs> um, totally. Uh, the last five years, I have worked at a bar, and that really changed my idea of like living as like a stable adult who could afford rent every month. Um, and. Yeah, I just, like, didn't know what that was about. I, like, my, uh, so when I went to school, when I first moved here from Alaska, my mom died, and I got, like, right before I left, and I got her life insurance money, and my school was paid for, and I had some money, and so I, like, spent it like crazy, like, took out student loans, spent most of it on Coke, like, just, like, uh, just went crazy, didn't really know what, like, realistically living in New York City was like, and then when that ran out, I eventually dropped out of school, I, like, sk like, skidded hard, and, like, didn't really know what was up, and, like, slowly I had to, like, figure out how to be responsible, uh, with money, and, um, and learn how like difficult it is to like find even like find any job that can sustain you here. Um, I like worked at I've worked at a fabric store in Midtown or a trim store in Midtown and made like nine dollars an hour and lived with my friend um, and like couldn't afford to pay rent while I was working that job. Um, it's like it's really like like kind of unbelievable to me that I've managed to do it this long. <laughs> <laughs> I relate to that totally. <laughs> it is some sort of like weird magic when you're like, wait, I, it's been this long that I've been like sorting that out continually. Totally, totally. And I feel like it, like as you live in New York, uh, longer, you, like, kind of figure out, like, weird little, like, there's, like, weird little things that you can, like, tap into if you're in a bad spot, if you, like, need to, like, uh, get a bunch of money really quick or something like that. Um, you, like, figure out how to do it a little easier, but it's, it, it's still wild. It's so expensive to live here, and, like, <laughs> I just don't know, like, how how everyone does it <laughs> totally 
have there been times where you've wanted to be elsewhere or are you committed to the struggle of, you know, being where you are? I just like, like, um, uh, I, there are so many pros to living here that like, I, I can't really think of another place that I would want to be, you know? Could you talk about some I of like, the pros since we're like in our like weird <laughs> moment of being like, wait, what's going to happen? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what was it that we loved? <laughs> I mean, honestly, even in quarantine, it's like the, um, like you look at other cities, like with like protests to like open up the city again. And like, you don't really see that in New York. Like, as like I don't at least. And like, I know I like know a lot of people who have been like, um, kind of creating these like little networks where they're like trading their stuff to like, um, for people to like make work during quarantine and stuff. Um, and like, donating their time to deliver groceries, donating groceries, etc. Um, you know, I can like bike to Central Park. I can like um it it I mean as much as it is like the epicenter, it's also like the devil you know kind of thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, but I mean also it but it's the community of New York. It's like the um the uh speed of new york like that impatient Mm -hmm. speed of new york that i need and when i go other places i like go a little crazy at how slow motion it feels um do you think you were like that as a child or do you feel like that kind of sense developed when you got here where you're just like actually i I need it now (laughs) no i definitely was like that as a kid i like was so impatient I wanted to go downtown all the time. Downtown Juneau, Alaska is like four blocks. I like... <laughs> was, did, I, did you know about any scene there at the time that had gay people at all? Or was that very covert? Not in Juneau. Yeah. No, I, there were, there was like, there were, I knew like one or two other, or other, maybe like five gay kids in the high school and then I knew the older person who worked at the porn shop mm-hmm. and that was it um mm. and there wasn't even really much of a music scene there like there were some bands that played at like youth group like on the <laughs> weekends but like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know every everything that like drew me to New York was like totally like just imagined and like I hoped that it was real you know (laughs) what people have been most important to you now or in your life and at large um my sister is probably like the most important person in my life um she lives in Portland now um she's gay and um it's like ever since we were kids we've just had this like 
really like twin ish relationship mm-hmm. we're four years apart but like we've just always had this like really deep connection so um we talk on the phone all the time but um i i i mean i all the other all the like artists that i perform with or like see or um around all the people that have like um all the people that have like championed me and like made me feel good about my art, like uh, JD Sampson and Roddy Bottom and um, Gianna Love and um, just like people who have like shown me what it is to like lift people up and like what that can do for you. Um, those people are really important to me. Um, I like know I'm leaving so many people out. Um, just, I mean like people that like, like take a chance and like make you feel included like that. That's so important. Um, and I tried to do that for other people. Totally. And how would you describe your music to us? Like what, yeah, what is it influenced by? And what do you, what do you think about when you're making music? Um, I, so lately I've been describing it as post-punk flavored synth pop. Um, and I write music about blank. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to give a formal statement, (laughs) like texture. No, I mean, so when I first started medical transition, I mean, like, I think a lot of young trans people, I was like obsessed with, with the the transition, you know, like with the like feeling, the like adolescent feeling that people talk about, the like pink cloud that people talk about. Um, And um, so I wrote a lot of music about that. And then I, my next record, I like wrote about my mom and my relationship and like, I. I don't know. I mean, I try to write about like what is fresh on my mind. And I like, I do like the one thing that I took from design school was this idea of like, um, like a cohesive body of work and like trying to like take the, um, like trying to like, connect all the um all the pieces of the work like together in some way so it's like i i try to reflect the um like content of the lyrics through the like composition of the music um and 
I'm also always thinking about like the visual aspects of like what's going to come out with the music. Um, and so like that ties into it too. Um, what are some of the aesthetics that you've been using or playing with? So the last record was called Endless Kindness and it was all about um, like investigating things that have informed like uh, where I am now. Um, and so it was like, I, uh, I was really upset. I, I still am really obsessed with the Eurythmics album Savage. And that was um, Annie Lennox like, doing all these like characters in all the videos or and like also in the music like throwing her voice all over the place and like doing really like masculine um kind of uh characters and and like just like kind of exploring personas in this way and so i was i was doing that um to try to like kind of trace what like what led me to like where I was at that album. And so it was like these elements of like dance music, these elements of like punk music, emo, like all these like disparate elements trying to tie them all together. Um, and so for the first music video for this song called Greased Up Freak Part One, it was just like me in a room um, doing all these different characters that were all all dressed in black uh, with blonde hair. But like one was like this like greaser motorcycle person. One was like a baby. One was like a pregnant woman. Um, and like trying to like visualize these like sounds that came out like uh, kind of out of my like subconscious or something yeah do you have do you connect to or have a religion or like spiritual connection now and is that related to where you like drop your music or how do you see that um i when i mean when i left christian school and church and all that i like really fucked against the idea of like religion organized religion especially christianity um and i think that did give me kind of a cynicism um about i like i don't know it 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 gave me a cynicism about like spirituality in general but like especially like anything that like you're told like that someone is telling you to do that's like related to spirituality um so i i don't know i'm like have been trying like the last like five years i think i've been like trying to um just be like a little more open-minded about spirituality spiritual practices and that kind of thing like i don't know like i think like even like the idea of meditating would have been hard for me like so like like a while ago just because i would 
I would be like, I'd like every, all of it is bullshit. All of this is bullshit. But no, I mean, I don't think that, but I think it would maybe still be hard for me to like connect in a way that like someone else is, is telling me to do mm-hmm. just because of my own hangups on religion. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I'm still like working on breaking that down, but my, my like way to access God or like tap into subconscious is definitely through writing music. Like that's the, and performing. That's like the way that I am able to let go and tap into something that is, um, that feels more divine or something. And that's what drew me to performance in the first place was uh, getting on a stage and like feeling that um, like spirit enter me, you know? And what have you learned about yourself while performing? Um, In like my life, I'm like, really not very sure of myself I always second guess everything that I say like even right now like I'm thinking back on like everything that I just said and I'm like god that probably sounds so stupid um (laughs) but uh I but like while performing while creating music um I don't know. It feels safe. It feels like um, I feel invincible. I feel like um, like I like I can't I can't like fail in a way or something. It's like <laughs> I don't know because it's like the way that I perform is not like. I'm not a technician, you know, it's like, it is very like erratic and it's like, it's not, it's like a lot of um, improvisation and it's like um, very um, physical and energetic. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Totally. I, and I'm so drawn to that. I mean, I really love you as a performer and um, can see and feel all of that. I, oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering if you just wanted to talk about anything you're excited about now that you're looking at or making or thinking about or who, talking about just stuff that's like, you know, in this weird slow down space, stuff that you're just like, yeah, obsessed with. Um, so I, I have been thinking a lot about this, like, idea of, like, I mean, the music that I've been inspired by lately has been this music that when I was younger, I connected to not having any idea of, like, what a club was or, like, what, what, that was like um, basement jacks, 
Fat Boy Slim, Chemical Brothers, like um, William Orbit's work with Madonna. Um, just like this, like uh, dance and electronic music that was made at a time where I just like had no concept of what it was. That that has felt really um, relevant to me, like right now, where I'm at a point where I I clubs may as well not exist, you know. <laughs> and um, uh, so I I have never prioritized writing love songs or songs about relationships before in my music and right before all this happened i went through like a pretty brutal breakup um and so it was the perfect opportunity to like kind of combine those two things <laughs> so i just i i've also never been someone who has been able to like write a lot like write really fast and like just like pump stuff out so I, when this all started, I like challenged myself to make um, like 20 demos in a month, I think is what the timeline ended up being. Um, and I just wrote really fast. I wrote every day. Um, and yeah, I came out with like a lot of work. So I'm right now like refining that and figuring out like what that's going to look like um but that was really thrilling creatively and i'm really excited about the next album that i put out that's so amazing um and how can people access your work or see you see the things that you do so my music is available on all streaming platforms spotify apple and all that uh nympho wars is available on those as well um if you want to see uh, my music videos, my YouTube channel is just Macy Rodman. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else that comes to mind that you would want to share for this? Um, yeah, I guess I would, I would just for it like, young trans artists specifically like cling to the people that like see you and um make you feel like they get it like i had i've had teachers uh, uh diane dwyer who is uh, also a performance artist who i still work with who's still one of my great friends um Bradford Nordine, who um, runs this uh, uh, queer art film um, uh, series. Uh, or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, has been a huge supporter of my work over the years. Um, and fuck, I had one more. Oh, Carlo Westcott, who's a designer who um, saw, who was one of my teachers at Parsons. And when I told her that I was dropping out, she was like, okay, you can drop out, but we have to figure out what you're going to do. Because like, um, she said, I remember she said, I'm going to be so 
pissed if I read in the newspaper about a dead club kid or something like that. And for some reason that like just, it was like really brutal to hear her say that, but it was like incredible to like know that someone cared about me and like cared about my work, even if it wasn't necessarily like the work that I was doing like around them. So like, I like, it's hard to find those people, but like, if you are, if you can find those people, cling to those people and um, I think like that, that's all I can attribute to how I am here now, you know? That's so special. Thank you so much. And just stay on for a second. I'm just going to stop the recording, but thank sure. you.